Rebecca, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well. And uh, I'm speaking from a thing that says Common Room HQ, which is where I'm the head of community. But I'm also Rebecca Marshburn and or Becca Odelay, um on Twitter. If what is what is yeah, what is Becca Odelay? What What is the story behind that? So honestly, I thought, as you do when you make any name, you're like, this is clever. Um, uh-huh. But I grew up listening to Beck and his my favorite album of his was Beck Odelay. And so I was like, oh, everyone's going to get this like 90s reference. Um, and I'm going to call myself because I'm Becca, Rebecca, Becca Odlay. And everyone's <laughs> going to be like, oh, my gosh, what a great album. That's so hilarious. Like, how cheeky. And, and instead, people are just like, I have no idea what your name is. <laughs> <laughs> Went right over, right over our heads. I guess it's like all naming, right? Where you're like, wow, that seemed like it made sense at the time. But uh, now I'm just going to lean into it. Lean into it. You know, yeah. Own it, right? Yeah. Full commit. Yeah. I, I created I created Swixel back when you can have four letter handles. And so I just kind of lucked into it. I, I didn't actually have a reason beyond, like, that's my angel. That's it's what a, I've been It's having. a dope nickname, I, I got to say. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have my friend to thank for it. Uh, it was my first um, kind of girlfriend when I was like 13. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. She's probably somewhere being like, Yes, I'm so glad that stuck Look for so long. You know? She's like, I've affected your life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Do you have to pay her um, royalties? She's like, Listen, man, you're welcome. She actually, so she drew a logo for me, uh, and I've been meaning to like scan it because it's a, it's a dope logo. She used to be an illustrator. That's um, awesome. So, I've been, I've, yeah, uh, right now I've been using, so there's, uh, I don't know if you guys, so I have a long-standing feud with uh, this, this Swix.com, which is a German telecoms equipment provider. Um, they recently lost in the sense that they, like, they threw in the towel, they, they got acquired. So now I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get Swix.com because I, I, I have the Swix handle and they have the .com and um, I'm just waiting for them to, I don't know, fade away so I can buy the .com. <laughs> That'll be a big nice. day. When that happens, will you host whenever it is, like a live Twitter space? And be like, <laughs> sure. I want to send you a cake. Like that'll be your the the birthday of your yeah. of your actual website. I, I think the Germans are not just not super happy with me because like their employees keep tagging me on Twitter uh, for like company <laughs> events. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so so okay. Um, maybe maybe I'd love to get some context for people on who haven't heard of Common Room. What is Common Room? Uh, why is Common Room doing random DevRel compensation reports? Uh, that, that's just that's just how maybe go from there. Yeah, so Common Room and like the most, or you know, how we like to describe ourselves as an intelligent community growth platform. Um, so what we do, right, is like what has started, what started in 1999, 2000 is not the way that people interact anymore. It's not like tops down, all decision making. This is how software is adopted. It's like, hey, People get to use software, you know, developers have agency, daily practitioners have agency in the type of tools that they use within their organizations. So there can be a lot more grassroots from the, I don't want to say from the bottoms up, that's like bottoms up is such a silly term, but people who are hands on the keyboard every day, right, are like, hey, I, you know, love using Temporal, for example, um, to name where you worked before uh, (laughs) Um, or, you know, people like to be in the organization, they're like, hey, I like to use Figma instead of Adobe, let's say, or something like that. And so people who are using these tools every day get to end up, there's a groundswell and they become, you know, a community of users and maybe they're interacting 
with those brands um, across like 10, 12 different channels, right? They're on GitHub and Discord and Discourse and Slack and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube. And it just keeps going, right? And there's like internal stuff, right? So it's like maybe there's like an intercom or there's like CRM backend data like Salesforce or HubSpot. So there's all these different ways that that people now interact with the the makers of the products. And so the like antiquated way of just saying like I push content to you as an organization and then I score you points and then when you get to a certain point a number of points then maybe you adopt our product. It's more like it's more incremental than that. And what's happening right now is like we've seen so many businesses and companies I think there is like a like a hundred and twenty percent um I have to relook at the numbers we ran last year but in terms of like uh people on LinkedIn looking to hire community managers or developer relations like community builders developer advocates etc um and what's happening is those people don't have any tools to really manage their community members right they're like they're like putting their hand in a grab bag being like which channel should I look at today? Like, has everyone gotten a response? Like, what is the trending sentiment? What are the questions that keep coming up? And instead of knowing um, how to, like, accurately, like, prioritize and understand the, con- the context behind what these people, what their community of users need and are looking for and are requesting, they were sort of going in blind until, I would say, a tool like what we build at Common Room, right, where we're able to um, give you real-time insights into your community, unify those like whoever is github who's also on slack who's also on discord who's also subscribed to your youtube or leaving comments or creating content around you we unify that into one single profile and based on you know public apis and all that public information and data that we can aggregate and we say hey here's this person and here's their here's how many times they've created content around your brand here's how many questions they've asked here's whether or not they've been responded to um, here's how they're interacting in conversations across your community and those different threads. Um, so there's just all sorts of insights that we're able to give community leaders and then all the way up to, um, let's say, those quote unquote traditional decision makers. So we do out of the box reporting where you say, is your community of users growing? What is the sentiment? Um, what are the trends and topics that they're talking about most? Um, people have used us to say like, hey, I didn't know that my community was growing so much. Um, in Vietnam, for example, um, I didn't know that the developer community was so active there. We actually have zero headcount in terms of bringing the community together in Vietnam. And so people have actually been able to shift even where they end up investing their resources based on where their community is growing or where their community needs the most help. Um, so that wasn't quite the elevator pitch I should have given that I try to be super <laughs> precise about, but I get super jazzed about it because what I do in the developer relations space is make sure that community members are being served at the time and in the way that they need to. And that one of the things that came out of that was just this basic idea of like, how do we empower community members, not just with like aggregated data in terms of software, but like data around this, I don't want to say it's DevRel and developer advocacy is an emerging field, but I feel like it's only been named and growing in the way that it's been growing in the last five to 10 years even if people had been doing that work before. And so talking to people, I used to work at AWS and I used to be um, like a lead of the serverless heroes program, the community builders program. And so I've been around folks who have been in the DevRel and the advocacy space for a while. And it's just wild, the variance between like compensation structures, between knowledge around what is like 
accurate or normal, quote unquote, for compensation, what people should ask for. There wasn't a ton of like, people didn't feel confident when I talked to them about whether or not they were asking for too much or too little. And there just wasn't a lot of visibility around it. And so we started talking at Common Room, what's something that we could do to help empower developer relations people as like individual humans in the space, not just with like the data that we can show them and the insights we can give them. Um, so that was the genesis of the developer relations compensation report. I think that that is amazing because I, I remember when I just started DevRel about two years ago, trying to find developer relations salaries, et cetera. And it was, it was really difficult to find anything around that. It, it was either very low or um, crazy high <laughs> salaries that you, you didn't really see anything in the middle. And so having something like uh, com- the common room being around is is a lifesaver for everyone that's in DevRel or trying to get into DevRel. I'm so glad to hear that. And I do, I mean, I want to say, you know, it's 147 people who answered the survey. So while we're really excited about that as a foundational number, like we are very um, clear, we want to be very clear that it's just the beginning, right? Like this is 147. And as the field grows and as awareness grows, you know, around us and around the report, then next year we want to get more people and then the year after more people and then have more data over time to also compare like trends and, and, um, and just, you know, year to year, how that changes. So I definitely believe it's an amazing foundational report. Um, but I also want to be like, we know there's so much more space to grow and more insights to be able to, to be able to empower people with. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent, uh, Survey. I think you're doing. I kind of think of it as that you're doing a service to the community, and then you know when you do this the same time next year, uh, we'll be able to track growth over time, uh, and hopefully get more people as well. Um, I, uh, I I love. So you you uh, you asked me for a quote uh, for the press release, um, and I still like. I'm still pretty proud of it. I like, love the I wrote, quote. Yeah, nobody has any idea what to pay DevRel because we're not developers, we're not marketers, we're not community managers, and we're not product managers, but an increasingly in-demand blend of all of the above. <laughs> so true. Uh, but also, like, I'm, I'm worried about doing it with people, uh, doing this chat with people on my team because now they're going to ask me for more money. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, you also put that in your quote. This is, being, like, <laughs> this is being recorded, by the way, so perfect. <laughs> Listen, um, all I know is I know what my next topic is on our one on one. I'm bringing this report right back up. It's <laughs> old all caps. He's like, more money. More money, more problems. <laughs> Don't you want less problems? Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be more problems, Sean. It could always be less. Whatever you want. <laughs> it doesn't have to be so hard, you know? <laughs> well, well, so so maybe maybe I'll, I'll ask Rebecca, like, what, what are the headlines that people should take away? Um, and I, I want to preface this with we gave you no prep time. So we can kind of get, kind of just shoot the shoot the crap also like, um, but there's there's a lot of data points. I always like to give people like what are the high level takeaways and then maybe some interesting stories that or things that were unexpected that you like to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess to do like my best like data or what I learned through working with the data science team too. We should also caveat with um, all of these numbers are. Um, total gross compensation pre-tax USD equivalent. Um, so as I say numbers, hopefully that, you know, uh, people understand where they're coming from. And then um, we looked at things that only had five data points or more. Um, so that way it helped us like avoid, and then we um, cut out extreme outliers. 
Um, and so we really wanted this data to be like as clean as possible and as nice. like trustworthy as possible. Um, and then we also did a community follow-up about data and that range data or that range analysis. Um, we took it from the 10th and 90th percentiles also to exclude like that outlier bias or to do our best to control for that. Um, and so anyway, that being said, and we worked, uh, the other caveat is we worked with um, DevRel leaders who we highly trust in this space. Sean, you were one of them. Tessa Creasel, Mary Thangvall, the DevRel X team at Slash Data. Um, Ahmad always like, uh, we wanted to make sure that even from the beginning when I was in the team, when we were crafting these questions, that they made sense to you as someone who leads the space, has been in the space, experienced today, and, and has goals and visions for where it should go. Um, and so thank you. Like you had left me comments where you're like, I don't know if this question makes sense. We're like, what are you trying to get here? Or, hey, this isn't actually how we like title ourselves in DevRel. So we did try to make it as cohesive and applicable as DevRel is today um, with your feedback. Um, and then also things like, you know, design. So there are a few times our charts, the way that you were like, hey, what's going on with these bar charts here? Um, so we wanted to make sure that the date is, is like clear, trustworthy, applicable, and repeatable. So when we do this like next year, we'll do it the same way, right? Like 10th and 90th percentiles, USD equivalents, total gross comp pre-tax, um, unless there are other data treatments that end up being like, you know, the, the next best, most thorough, comprehensive truthful way you can present data. Um, so all that being said, those are the caveats around the numbers you hear and how we arrived at these. So hopefully trying to do our best to control for outlier bias. Um, but some of the key stats, right, is is when people, the most industries that have DevRel roles at almost 40%, so 39.5% is B2B SaaS, and then 22.4% is B2C products and software. And then 10.9% is cloud infrastructure. However, even though cloud infra is just at 10.9%, the third most popular DevRel industry, they are the highest paying um, DevRel. They offer DevRel roles at the highest uh, pay equivalent, highest compensation. Um, so that's sort of interesting. I think that even though it's third in like the most popular, it is first in the, um, the average highest total compensation. Um, some of those common roles and responsibilities, something else that I think is interesting here. So 74% of people create educational content and resources. No surprise there, I think. 63.9, delivering in-person talks and workshops. Also, I think no surprise there. And then we get way under, so those are like way above the majority, right? 63 and 74. And then we fall under 50%. And so at 43.5% is building brand awareness and affinity. And then 37.4% is building and managing community programs. And then it cascades down from there. But something that I think is sort of interesting is I was speaking with Chris Riley, who leads uh, DevRel at HubSpot. And he was saying how he feels like uh, in the dice, right, a lot of it, a lot, there's a lot of pressure to build brand awareness and affinity. There's a lot of pressure to be like super, super well known and super cool in the DevRel space. And he was like, whether that's, you know, true or just something that we feel but isn't true or is like, um, it is interesting that when we are asked to sit down and take a survey, it's only 43.5 of us, the percent of us that feel like building brand awareness and affinity is one of our key roles. It's less than 50%. However, it feels like when we're in the space, that's what we're supposed to be doing 100% of the time. 
Um, so I think there's a bit of like oh, a, 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 a good tension there. That's an observation. I, I feel like uh, maybe so. I, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe comment on that one, which is yeah. We try not to think of ourselves as marketing, even though we kind of are. Um, so when you say build brand awareness and affinity, it's kind of that's a very marketingy thing. So I think maybe, maybe people checked did not check the the checkbox for that because they don't feel they don't think of themselves that even though they they might be. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I think you're also pointing out there, like, there's, I certainly am looking forward to learning through this, right? Is like, the first one is likely not going to be the best one. I'm going to have to kill my darlings on some of these, where it's like, how do I say this in a way that feels, that resonates most? How do we ask this question that resonates most with the audience taker, right? And I think that will adjust over time. Um, because, yeah, and I think the way that, or or this is me, um, I don't I don't want to project onto you, but the first two, right, which is, um, creating educational content and resources and delivering in-person talks and workshops, those are the vehicles, as far as I can understand it from the work that I've done adjacent and with this space, that help build brand awareness and affinity, right? Like, if you're doing your job super well, we are like, here's how this works. Here's how to empower you to use it every day. Here are the new things that you can do with it. Here's what's changed. Here's the change log. Here's how to give us product feedback. And then to go deliver those workshops and in-person talks and meetup talks and help people actually understand how to use it on the everyday basis, that ends up being the medium in which brand awareness is built over time. Got it. Yeah, that's that totally makes sense. Also, I mean, I don't want to diminish that 37.4% are uh, due community. Uh, that's That was number four. Um, and yeah. I think that's kind of a rising... Um, responsibility in DevRel, I would say, which is that we should also care about instead of the one-to-many conversation, the many-to-many conversation. Yeah, and I think, um, so it's like the many-to-many, and I think it's also, I was talking to Kyle Haggy, who r runs community at Morning Brew, which is like one of my favorite, uh, I love the Morning Brew, and um, it's like a, like a finance, if people don't know, finance, economics, like cheeky, fun, clever newsletter. Um, and then it has a bunch of like subsidiary or like um, chat cousin companies, whatever you'd call it under the umbrella. Anyway, it's like a one-to-one -one and many-to-many. -many. And then there's also like a one-to-one-to-one-to-one-to-one. So it's like, how do you reduce this? It's not just many-to-many, -many, although it ends up being many people. But how do you foster all of these like small individual relationships that end up like networking out, but doesn't have to be necessarily many-to-many -many all at once? So I think it's almost prismatic in that way prismatic ooh, fancy <laughs> um, um, yeah there's one other thing i wanted to call out here cool. which i think is sort of interesting um so developer relations builders with previous software engineering experience reported 26.3 percent higher median salaries compared to those without software engineering backgrounds and so from the 147 respondents 71.4 percent yes, have previous software engineering experience, and then 25.2% no, did not. And there are 3.4% who did not specify, um, just so it adds up to 100 or else that would make me crazy. Um, so the median salaries, according to previous experience, those with had uh, 182,000 uh, in USD equivalent. Um, and then those without had 134,000 without previous experience USD equivalent. But what's interesting, or I think another thing that's interesting about that is 
at the at the lower end or sorry the more like associate newcomer specialist role they both basically basically started about 80k um so there's whether or not they do or do not have previous experience but where you see that really big difference come into play is at the more senior levels and then the senior level for those that do have previous experience just have a way larger like headroom or what would you call that you know like a way larger um it's a much higher number where it gets capped off. So I think there's just like, uh, that's where you see that big discrepancy in that 26.3% is once you get to those higher, more senior roles, that's what's causing that like difference between 182K and 134K. I love it. Uh, I, I have to say, I have to compliment you on your data analysis. Like you, you clearly have a lot of rigor in how you think about this. And um, you're telling a story with the data, which is a difficult skill to have as well. I think it's super important when, when you have surveys like this. Um, it's also like, you know, I, I'm reading your announcement blog post and you also had a similar observation with regards to uh, gender, right? Like, uh, you know, the field is, what is it? 65.8% male, 28.8% female, and then 5.4% non-binary. But then you also notice that like the earlier career roles are actually half and half, which is... I didn't know that. Yeah. So we didn't, uh, I mean, we didn't either. We were super excited to be able to start to like break down this data. And thank you for the compliment. I also want to shout out, I worked with our data science team and um, it was a really neat collaboration between like, hey, here's like, let's, what would happen if we just put this into words? And then what would happen if we only looked at the data? And then how, where do these two things actually, what are they actually saying? What do they agree on? Um, and so it was a super cool process. And I think like a, a really important to bring both like a, I don't want to say like, but a more literary language mind to a more like numbers, <laughs> both of those things together were like, Oh, okay. Like here's, here's how it's coming together. Um, My favorite word for it is uh, purple people. Like you have to have a little bit of the, um, the red, which is let's say like the data driven side and then the, the blue, which is maybe the, the more literary communication words side. <laughs> Purple people. I love that. Yeah, I think I, so, I don't know, maybe all of us uh, growing up were on some sort of sports team called the Purple People Eaters. Maybe that was just Southern California, but wow, I think I was on like three. Is that Purple a thing? Is that yeah, what it comes from? Yeah. Is Justin, that another 90s reference that, that, that I don't understand? <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't give me this Gen Z thing. Um, <laughs> I'm, so wait. I'm too young for to, this. Is it fair to say that all DevRel people are probably purple people as well. Cause I feel like this is just like a, a skill that we're all probably accustomed to having. So, so, so I don't want to appropriate this. Uh, this, this actually co does come from the data uh, fields. Uh, so they call themselves analytics engineers. Uh, and the, 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 the phrase purple people is coined by Anna who, who runs DevRel at DBT. Um, so I, I don't want to sort of <laughs> co-opt this, but I, I think, I think there's some amount of interdisciplinariness that we do get paid to do. And that kind of reflects it, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I don't wanna, I mean, I wanna focus, like, I don't wanna move too much onto like non money stuff, like people are here for money stuff. Um, so, can we just like, take a little step back into this uh, very interesting topic about whether or not you should have previous experience in software engineering? Um, so, just to disclose, uh, I had like a year as a software engineer uh, before I went into DevRel. Justin, I don't know if you consider yourself having having prior experience. No, pro yeah, I definitely would not. 
Um, and and then and then and then Krishan, uh, what's your you want to you want to share uh, your situation? Five years, five years as a JavaScript <laughs> yeah. developer. Nice, nice. Hey, um, so yeah, we we all had like weird yeah. <laughs> well, this is a significant like this is this is worth fifty k a year, right? I don't know. Oh, I sorry. Mean, previous experience, me fifty k. Go ahead, yeah, no, sorry. Are you you're saying the one eighty two and the one thirty four k? Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. So if you had previous experience, yeah. your your uh, you know the average is one hundred eighty k, and then does not if you did not have previous software engineering experience, uh, you come in at one thirty k. That kind of makes sense to me, although it's it's still a big gap. It kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to get reactions from Justin and Krishan because they are on, on different sides of the spectrum there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so just looking at the kind of median salaries, like, to me, it makes sense, right? Um, I feel just to kind of touch on my experience, like interviewing for, this is my first um, go at developer relations uh, without having previous experience. So, like, I guess just for context, right? Like, I was a developer support engineer prior to joining Airbyte. And before that, I was completely self taught. Like, I didn't have a job and I was teaching myself code. So, I don't have any, you know, production level experience as a as a suite and so um i mean to me it makes sense to have these the, like you know the median salary for someone who does not have experience is 134k um that it just kind of comes with that but i also feel that it also affects you know not having experience as devrel as well um but i mean i don't know like to me this gap sort of closes as you know like does this also does that salary, uh, um, you know, the 182, does that also come into play? You know, you're talking to someone who has had experience as a DevRel specifically, not even just software engineering for more than three years. Like, does that gap close or something like that? Like, that's just kind of like the question that raises in my mind. The, the um, salaries that we see, um, that we saw, or what you spoke about, are those, is that total compensation? Is that base salary? That's total compensation. So that includes oh. like base salary with any um with any bonuses, bonuses that people do get bonuses and with any equity that is given to people or like as equity is a bit fluid, but what that equity was seen as. Yeah, Rebecca's cutting you're you're kinda of cutting in and out there. I don't know if um everyone's feeling so much. Yeah, yeah, she's like, Yeah, yeah. Um, what about now? They, uh, yeah, Better. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. I hate being the person that cuts out. Um, Chris, <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> uh, it is total comp, and so it includes equity as well as um, bonuses if people are awarded bonuses in pre-tax mm. USD equivalent. Wow. Okay. Okay. Nice, uh, Sean. Was your question like, how do we feel about seeing those the the ranges between? You know, zero prior experience to having experience? Kind of. But it's also, kind of. I just want to get reactions, right? So we can just, just chat yeah. about it. Like, we are the people oh, and, and being surveyed. Okay. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> like, this affects us. And I, yeah. I often get asked, like, do, you know, should I go into software first yeah. uh, before going to DevRel? I mean, this is the clearest so, and biggest data point I've seen. I, if I can, because I actually help quite a few people, um, um, from like a month-to-month -month basis that I help them negotiate the salary. So I hear actual people's salaries. Um, 
from people who went to uh, decent colleges who had experience in interning, let's say at Snowflake and Google, you name it. And even then when going to a big college and even when they're interning at these larger companies, three com- companies, um, their offer for uh, total compensation was about $135,000 a year, comparable to someone that I know who, um, some, actually three people I know who received pretty much close to the same salary, give or take maybe 10000 with zero expense at developer relations and engineering, received similar um, total compensation, which is really interesting. Uh, and, when, and when I hear about the higher compensation for people with more experience, like three plus years of experience, I've actually seen people with five years of experience and receive lower than six-figure total compensation. Right. Um, and, and so I, when I look at that, I, I also think of negotiating as well. I think that's when it really comes into place when negotiating, really trying to sell your value, et cetera, um, which can either inflate or deflate what your salary could be at your next company for sure. So basically, buy your course on negotiating. <laughs> I, am making, oh, wait, wait, wait. I am making a course in that. I am making a course in that, but it's not live yet. How did you know? <laughs> so necessary. I mean, though. I mean, there's so much education around that that needs to happen. Yeah. Well, so I always say, like, by the time you're getting an offer, you're trying to move the offer up. Uh, the main part of your negotiation is already done. Um, the The important piece is to be leveled as as well as you can be, and to have options. Because your best alternative to a negotiated agreement is your your backup, right? Like, so. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but like uh, I think I think having surveys like this is a really good bad bath. Like not actually needing to have a se- second offer and just going, well, the service says I'm worth 180k. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least having some benchmark that you can be confident in, right? Because then someone's like, well, where'd you get that number? And if you just have no, you're like, I don't know. I saw it on LinkedIn once. That's so different than being like, hey, 150 people, 147 to be clear. You know, this is their experience, right? So here's an out like foundational benchmark that I feel confident in like using as a starting point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I will say like for me, right. Uh, Cause earlier this year is when I started Airbyte. I, and I talked to Chris about this too, as I was interviewing, I wish I had this report before I, you know, I talked about numbers and compensation and all that stuff because I would have absolutely lowballed myself or allowed myself to be lowballed in terms of compensation if I had not known, like, you know, coming in, no software engineering experience, like what the number uh, I should be hovering around could be or should be, right? Um, I think that's probably, especially for people like me that don't have previous experience in either, whether that be DevRel or software engineering, like that is a scary thing to talk about. Um, I, I think in general, right? Like talking about compensation can always be kind of scary, because um, you kind of don't know what the median is. And like, sometimes you look on Glassdoor or whatever for salaries and like, it's just, it's all over the place. So like for this number, I, I think for anyone that's looking to become um, DevRel and want to lean in on their, on their strengths in terms of communication or content creation or whatever, community building, like having this number in mind, like kind of really does help uh, with your, negotiations or conversations around compensation um, to try to get you to be, you know, paid what you should be paid um, and not, you know, be compensated for the work that you're about to be putting in. Cause DevRel is like, you know, there's a lot that goes into it as we, as we looked, you know, like there's a lot of things and a lot of hats that we can wear 
at a given period of time. So it's, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I highly recommend pulling out the PDF and looking at the, there's a long list of things that DevRels do. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually in the list. Uh, th- th- uh, what Rebecca highlighted was just the top four roles and responsibilities, but actually there's, there was a very long, long tail. Um, I, I wanted to shout out, I, I, I don't know if, um, so we, we have a, 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 an unusual guest as well. So um, the, Natter is my ex-boss at AWS. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to meet him. Uh, you want to say hi? What up, can, can, we, can we ask you questions about our current boss, Sean? <laughs> can we ask to, for the tea to be spilled? How do we exploit him? No, I'm just kidding. Well, working with Sean was kind of like, I felt like I was underqualified to be his uh, his boss because he was basically someone that I feel was like more qualified to be that role than, than me. Um, it was kind of like, you know, really a pleasure to work with them because I've looked up them for so long before we started working together. We were also friends. Um, and it wasn't even for that long of a thing. It was, it was, it was during a very weird, strange time also because very COVID, yeah. yeah, it was like right when COVID started and um, he ended up having a lot of like things happen that were really uh, challenging. In, in DevRel, we were like also traveling a lot. And then right when he started, was when COVID restrictions started happening and like there was no travel. So everything was kind of weird, but, uh, but it was a really, really great experience, obviously to work together as long as, uh, as long as we did, even though it wasn't that long of a time. No, but I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, you are the only person that I've known who's taken tokens as compensation. Uh, I, I like, I, I know you have probably mixed feelings on that, but I, I think everyone's kind of interested. Like what's it wow. like? Yeah, Kishan, yeah. you didn't know that, right? Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, Sean can see my face expression right now. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, we, we have each other on video, so I can see their faces. <laughs> what? So you want to know the like, no, just like around getting paid and crypto? Yeah, <laughs> and like, uh, well, Devro, your your thoughts in general on DevRelcom. Um, for everyone, who, anyone who doesn't know, um, Natter used to uh, be a consultant himself. He has a really, really good blog post on like on. How to be a very high-paid consultant? I, I, what was the title? The title was really good. Um, prosperous consultant, I think, or the prosperous software consultant, I think. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Google, and I'll throw it up here. Everyone, go look that um, because, like, again, that's part of your negotiation, right? Instead of having a job, you could just be a consultant, <laughs> right? Like, and that leads into your sense of self-worth for saying that. All right, in order to take a job into consulting life, I would have uh, to do ABC, and and that's what uh, Nader went through. I think he's he's looking for his blog post, um, but anyway, he, okay, yeah, he, I just I just pinned it to the top. Well, it. My bad. What, what what was the question? Uh, no, no, your your thoughts on DevRel compensation in general, and then uh, your unique experience taking tokens as compensation. <laughs> yes, so I went from being a consultant to working at AWS DevRel, and um, I with that I took like a pay cut, but um, at AWS I joined. And the stock price was kind of like in the like mid thousand, I think, or, or something like that. So like my my compensation total along with my stock ended up being you know being pretty good. But um, after being at AWS for three years, I did leave to go into uh, blockchain, crypto slash Web three, whatever. And um, I have learned a lot over the last year and four months around compensation. And I recently went through the whole interview process of um, getting, you know, 
different offers from different uh, companies and stuff. And uh, I can definitely kind of speak to that. Um, and, and crypto, you typically are going to get like a total compensation package that's going to be split between, you know, base comp and tokens. The main difference, though, between crypto and a startup is that your tokens are actually worth something on the liquid market as opposed to a startup where you're getting equity that ethically worth something. Um, and then the other comparable thing might be getting stock at something like Amazon or Google, which is worth which is worth something. It's a lot less volatile as well. So I think those are the three trade-offs. Like I think you have a lot more upside potential in startups and crypto than you do in a place like Google. But um, in crypto and, and Fang, it's actually liquid as opposed to startup. It's not liquid. And I think you can also often get a lot more maybe in crypto than you can in other places. So for example, um, I'll be quite straight up here. I don't see anyone here in this audience that I have like any worries about, about like me sharing these types of details, but like some of the offers that I personally got in crypto were in the range of like half a million to $2 million a year total comp. And that is in um, comp and uh, equity. And I've heard of people that have like gotten into uh, crypto companies early that ended up making like tens of millions of dollars because it was like before a token launch. So for example, people that worked for Solana before the token launch, um, their equity went up by like 40X or 50X. So if they only got like $200,000 equity, then they were like millionaires, you know? And I think people typically get more than that, you know? Uh, split over vesting over like four years or something like that. I can see Justin and Krishan about to quit my team right now. Uh, uh, Sean, it's really nice knowing you. Look, hey, listen, hey, if there's Nato, any crypto companies out there, <laughs> can, we bring, can we bring crypto in air, right? Well, 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 there's another part of the story, right? So I, I knew this because uh, Nader is, is super transparent and he actually told me uh, when, when he left. Um, uh, but then your token does, doesn't have a stable value. It does not. So um, getting into a crypto company during a bear market is much better than getting into it during a bull market because your compensation can also go down by 40 or 50x, right? Because if the token price goes down, um, for example, I interviewed at Solana and um, let me think what month it was. What month are we in now? We're in August. August, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot what month it was. It was probably beginning of this year or end of last year or something like that. But uh, they offered in the range of like the high, um, the very high, like six figures, like, you know, in the range of like, I'll just say in the range of like five to, to 800K total comp. But 70 or 80% of that was in tokens. So if I roll, my total comp would be closer to like three or four, which is like still, well, it's probably closer to like four-ish, which would still be really great actually. I'm not saying that that's not a really great total comp, but it's about half of what you would have gotten um, starting off. And then my current situation, I, I recently left a place called The Graph and Edge Node, and the, the total comp that they had offered me versus what it was when I left was down by like, I don't know what percentage, but um, my, my equity, I would say, was down by like 90% versus when they made me the offer because of the market conditions. So those are the types of things that you also experience in crypto. Um, the volatility is on another like level than it is in like a traditional tech world.
Nada, you should see Justin's face right now. He's he was so That's, excited. I take back everything did, I said did, about crypto. Don't bring it. Do you still want your job, or do you? Want, I mean, I don't know. I can tear this resolution <laughs> letter out. Right? Is this, did you say ninety percent? Yeah, I would say yeah, about ninety percent. Like, um, <laughs> I think I'm trying to think of exact. I don't remember the exact numbers, but like, yeah, look at the graph. Something okay. like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Look at the graph token. That's all you got to do. Um, but but it's, it's not just Chris. the graph token. There's a lot of there's a lot of like, um, like what you might consider alt tokens. So if it's not Ethereum or, or Bitcoin, most of those tokens have had similar volatility. So um, some of them held up better than others, but in general, that's kind of like you know what you what you would experience. But if you came in like right now and you got the same like type of offer then you could consider and you could assume that if the market conditions recover, that you have a lot more upside. True. So, yeah, um, you know? Wow. So, we but, can um, hear you. But yeah. You're muted, Sean. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, like, like linking, linking people back to like, so like there's a Web3 and crypto section in this DevRel survey. Uh, it's actually one of the lowest paid sections but i think it's just that's just the cash portion because people aren't valuing their tokens at all or something i don't yeah. I, I, I do see very very junior people joining web3 startups though i was gonna call it out because i was like um there is so or, yeah you, you missed out the 500k two million dollars <laughs> right potentially <laughs> so much cash in web3 and crypto right but it does it did come out as actually our lowest compensation by industry um at 110k median um but that also could be i mean this is we're gonna definitely need more data year after year after year to understand you know how many people are web3 how many devrel people took this survey obviously it was over five um but that like at, at what if let's say when we tried to evaluate that by lead or associate or specialist or you know early in career versus later in career um, there weren't enough data points at each of those levels to tell us like which level is doing what in the Web3 crypto space. So that's where we see those like gaps, right, where we're going to need to have like more data over time to really make those like big conclusions. Um, but it is super interesting as well, because it might just be, hey, I'm in the Web3 crypto space, these tokens, like I, they're volatile. It's, you know, I haven't even hit my fiscal year cliff, whatever that might be, right, where we're seeing perhaps just the 110k as a like, total base station in that period. Like that's how they reported it. Yeah. And also it's worth, I mean, definitely um, underscoring the fact that I'm a, like a senior level person, like definitely at the very top of that pay scale. So yeah. This isn't probably something that's typical for most people, even though I do know someone who has only been in DevRel for about a year that just landed a half a million dollar total comp uh, with a protocol that is very good at their job, but they're literally about a year in. Um, but I also know someone who's probably just as good, or maybe not quite as good, but that's pretty good, that, that is working for about 100K total comp. So the, the, the page like, is wildly different. Di Why different. do you think that is? Uh, well, I think is some it people just, just the don't company? Know yeah, yeah, so don't know how to okay. negotiate their uh, their their comp. Exactly, I just said that, and I'm Chris. They need soon. you, man. <laughs> I'm making courses <questions> soon. <laughs> Meanwhile, Justin like dropped the mic when he heard a million dollar comp. He's like, okay, I am getting out of here. And then he heard the hundred k, and he's like, never so, mind, yeah. I'm staying. If I my, I'll, I'll just say this: my resumes are out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I do know someone as well who who joined Tech late in his career, and his total comp is over one million dollars, um, a year. And but half of that is cash, and the other half is in uh in coin. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's it's crazy. Um. So I will say, you know, for for those who are like have money bags in their eyes for crypto right now, uh, this kind of comp is also possible in uh, traditional tech. Let's just say, uh, yeah. but you have to you have to join startups and you have to ride the startups uh, to the next tier in their valuations, um, and it's essentially what uh, Temporal did for me. But like, it's not as public. It's not as liquid as as crypto and i think that is a draw of crypto that it is real money if you sell it at the at the time that you got it um whereas startups it's kind of funny made until someone exits which may never happen uh like stripe is like 13 years old and still hasn't exited right so you can you can be paper million but still not see any of it yeah it's a great for sure it's always always a responsible thing to do in comp- compensation questions um do we have uh, questions in Slido? I, I don't know if we should like take questions. I, I don't know if like anyone else has like discussion topics on comp. Um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting. Another interesting call out I'll, I'll say is Europe versus US. This is bizarre. Isn't um, it? Yeah. What do you mean? So, like, so, so? Let's, 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 let's say the numbers again. Um, so they, you, uh, you guys broke it up by geography. Uh, and in the US, the average total compensation was $208,000. In Europe, it was $124,000. So that is what, 60% of US? Um, yeah, good math, pretty quick. For essentially a remote job. Um, that's uh, thoughts, comments? <laughs> this one I, I is mean, one where, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 you go for it, go for it. I was just gonna say, this one is one, again, where we were like, all right, we wanna see this over time. And I, um, to be very clear here, it's like the reason why you see United States and then Europe remote Canada and then did not specify is because, um, for example, there we had like, you know, data points from Japan or so we did that thing again where we're like, if there's not five, then we don't feel confident in reporting it and having enough things to make a median. Um, and so this is again, where like more data points will be really helpful in making sure this gets into more cross and yeah, there are more people in the space and even in the industry in different geographies. Um, but so scoping it down to these ones up here, right, is like, I think it, I, what this highlight for me is like, okay, I don't understand enough about the compensation structures, for example, in Europe, like, are they generally going to be lower, because um, there's like, you know, better healthcare, better, better public transit, did people report this in their own head already having been taxed, like, there are certain things here where you're like, at the edge of our understanding that we don't, we can, we can report the data that we have. And like directionally, certainly we feel extremely confident that it is correct, but we can't necessarily know like, is it 208K in the United States, but actually 160K in Europe? Like these are the deviations that I like worry about at night, right? Where it's like, okay, was that question clear enough to make sure that this data is exactly asking the question to get the exact right answer? Um, But directionally, when we like tried to validate this through other means saying like, okay, is this, you know, is this correct? What we did see, right. is like Europe and Canada are going to be lower compensation structures than the United States. We also had way more from the United States answer this. One of those things might be like, you know, our friends or our networks are people who are generally in our same geography. I think that's changing while we're more distributed. Um, but it's just more DevRel folks. And uh, let's say, 
these types of cloud infra and B2B companies based in the United States. Um, and more of those people are at senior levels. Um, so you're also probably going to get some version of seniority here, right? There are more people who are like VP of DevRel here that are also reporting to um, a dev developer marketing or developer relations, like top head rather than into the marketing team or something like that. Um, so these are the things where I'm like, this data is super interesting and like it's the foundational beginning. Um, and I think I repeat that maybe ad, ad nauseum in the report, like in three different ways, like this is the start, this is the beginning. I want, we want it to be used as a really helpful tool. And we also know this tool needs to be sharpened over time. Yeah, this whole thing with like Europe and the uh, uh, United States, <clears throat> like between salary, like I feel like there's so many different, of the conversations I've had with people who are in tech in Europe is very interesting. Like there's so many different factors that play into like the salary difference. Um, like the thing with like free healthcare over there and things like that. Like there's just so many things that like kind of come into play. Um, very curious to see like what comes up uh, as we do the competition report more and more um, to see if this does like persist or if it grows. Um, but like, yeah, I, I just think it's kind of crazy to see that, you know, with this, uh, you know, remote work is paying way more, you know, based off of the report. So it's like, well, why not just like go for more remote positions, you know, uh, as yeah. opposed to finding like Europe based companies and working for them. Uh, it just kind of, you know, throws throws a, a shift in, in the direction of where DevRel could end up. But I don't know. It's just very, it's very interesting to see that that number. Yeah, I think there's probably also, and I mean, I'd be way out of my element to talk to this, but it would be so cool if this was also next to a, you know, cultural anthropological report around like workplace <laughs> expectations in some place like Europe versus the United States, right? Or, um, I don't know, I think there are so many ways where you're like, ooh, we could dig into this data point for like, and take it into prismatic directions in case you want to use that word again, Sean. Prismatic. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we put that, can we somehow use that word in almost everything we do here? I think we would grow so much more credibility. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Prisma would love that for sure. <laughs> they definitely would. So there are a few other things that I'd love to, to bring up in terms of like sure. potential futures and then uh, something that I think is a super bright spot. But I want to make sure that you all, I mean, it's, it's your show. So like, are there questions? Or is there something else you wanted to cover that you had questions about specifically around the report? Uh, none on my end. I, I'd say go uh, for it. I think the floor is yours right now, unless Chris has one. No, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll just let you go for it. It's okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, Sean, you touched on this, and I think I may have taken us off on a tangent, but a couple things and like related to futures or potential futures that we see directionally in the data. Um, one was uh, gender identification. And something that was that is, as you had said, is 28.8% female right now, 65.8% male right now, and then 5.4% non-binary gender fluid or, or chose not to specify. But when we look at that gender identification across seniority levels, there are more females in the associate specialist role. So like the most um, um, emerging or like newest to the field role. So 51.8% female and associate specialist roles and then 48.2% males. And then the numbers like kind of start to drastically change after that. So then at the senior level, it's 26.8% females and 73.2% males. And so that sort of balance 
stays across all of the, as you go up in seniority, it becomes much more male dominant. But what we do think is interesting in terms of the potential future of the space is that clearly more females or people who identify as female are entering the DevRel field. And so this would also be something that we would have to look at in data over time. But if directionally it still went its direction, then you could say that this will balance out in time in the future. Um, that also obviously means like people need to, uh, people who identify in different genders need to have like the same opportunities for promotion or the same um, opportunities to like grow in their field, um, negotiate in the same way, that sort of thing. But um, we thought that either super interesting in terms of potential futures. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of futures is like the years of experience in the workforce versus years of experience in DevRel, those two things are basically inverted. So years of experience in the workforce, 6.8% from one to two years, and then 25.9% all the way down to more than 20 years. And then years of experience in DevRel is totally different. One to two years in the DevRel field is 37.4%, and then more than 20 years is, is 2%. So you basically get to like reverse the ratio on these. And I think a big part of that, right, is like DevRel as like a as an acknowledged title that people are hiring for or seeing themselves as is a, is a younger field in general. Uh, super interesting to see how that 37.4% of one to two year experience in DevRel starts to match the whole years of experience in the workforce. Like what happens over time when those people with one to two years experience have been in the DevRel workforce for more than 20 years? Yeah. I want to know if we can uh, invite Kimmy up here because she's um, fairly new to DevRel, but she's been doing like a fantastic job. And I think she would have a lot to contribute to the discussion. Hey, Kimmy. Uh, yeah, I sent an invite. Did you have a, another follow-up question, Nader, or was that? Uh, I actually have I have a question. Um, it's actually pointed towards uh, Nader because of um, what he mentioned about people not really knowing their value. So like, I worked at a job, um, one of my previous jobs in DevRel, where um, someone was paid about uh, $50,000 less than me. And this person actually did more work than I did. And we didn't know how much less, and this person was a better developer than me too. And so we didn't know how much less she was, she was paid than me um, until I actually left the company, until like two, when I told her, told her that I'm actually leaving. And so, like, it, I, I did have more experience in regards to DevRel, but we had the same, same amount of experience in regards to just, like, you know, we both, both JavaScript developers. And I'm, I'm curious your thought on that. Is, is it just, like, really, you know, we know that companies will always try to, most of the time, try to underpay you. But I, I'm curious on your thoughts in regards to that, which would help me in my course in negotiating in the future as well. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, I really kind of, appreciate and value um, transparency and we're like one thing that I'm part of is like uh, this this crypto DevRel telegram group where we all get together and we kind of are all friends and we share and talk about everything we try to, to understand and be as transparent as possible we all want to be paid fairly and we all want our peers to, to also be paid fairly and I think you know <clears throat> being aligned and being friends and being um, part of communities that, that share the same values is like important. And um, I, I've only been really working in, 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 I think, three different DevRel companies, and they've all been fairly different. 
but um, I think the longer that I'm in it, the more that I think it's just extremely important to to be friends with the people that you work with to the point that you can at least share uh, like your compensation and then try to help other people if they're not paid uh, as much to kind of level up and stuff. I don't really have anything though in particular to kind of like comment on in your particular situation. I think that it's, it doesn't make sense, obviously, sometimes for people to be paid like more or less. I think um, the, the more that we can kind of communicate and be transparent about like how much we're being paid, the better, you know? Definitely agree. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Also, I think it's it's interesting. There's a Telegram group. Uh, do you want to? Do you, oh, Cami just dropped out. <laughs> Wanted to say hi to Cami. <laughs> uh, looks like the timing wasn't good. Uh, do we want to take questions, thoughts? Oh, uh, uh, for Rebecca, actually, I I wanted to comment one thing. Um, I I feel like the the years of experience may be like I think it's a good thing to collect, but we may want to try to think about the uh, career ladders and. There's not that many public out there, and we don't have one uh, where where we work. But uh, it would be interesting to have, like, basically entry level DevRel, um, <laughs> uh, normal size DevRel, <laughs> uh, senior DevRel, principal DevRel, uh, and DevRel manager. Uh, I feel like, especially for uh, if you, you split out DevRel manager, um, that might uh, help to give a little bit of a better picture of like what the job market looks like. Yeah, and I think it would also, like, in future iterations, right, it's, like, certainly it's hard to to collect data as a write-in, but I think we saw enough people write-in in other where it was, like, okay, maybe these aren't um, – anyway, I think there's a way that we can simplify it the way that you just said it that would help make sure that people are seeing themselves in the question, the answer responses that they're given. Um, and yeah, that years of experience. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like uh, – Natter was just talking about um, someone with one year experience uh, getting a five hundred thousand dollar job. Like it's it's just you know clearly they are doing something that is uh, abnormal to the years of experience. And I I do think like it's kind of a lowest common denominator of how much experience someone has. Like you know just the passage of time. <laughs> what, what would you say yeah. is like the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to you know trying to get that bag? Right. What is the biggest mistake that people make in, in particular in DevRel? Any input would be excellent for uh, Justin and I as well. Um. Oh, is this for all, all of us? I don't know. Uh, maybe Beck, <laughs> Rebecca and uh, Natter can. Our boss can't tell that. us how to do it because he's. A boss. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have. I don't have clear I'm thoughts joking, yet. I'm joking. I mean, Chris, it's probably it all starts, or I shouldn't say it all starts. It it I would say. So much of it starts from having a confident sense of self in terms of where you should start, which is one of the whole goals of this compensation. Like, what is a tool to have any insights into what I could or should maybe even be starting from in terms of asking? But then certainly negotiation, which I have a feeling you might know something about um, in case you want to talk about that. Only there was a class. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Something I wanted to highlight, one last thing, which I thought, or it could be more, but the, the one of the right spots that I don't want to not talk about is how excited I was to see how people rated the importance of their DevRel team contributions to their company. And so 23.1% said their company sees it as mission critical importance, and 38.1% said their company sees it as quite important. Um, and so if I do that math really quickly, that is like 60... 
1.2. Uh, and so that's a, that's a pretty good majority, right? And then 32.7 said somewhat important, 6.1, not very important. I would love those numbers to go up higher. But I, that, that, like, that's just something where I did want to leave people that I think there's a good, there's a healthy amount of, even if this is like emerging space and an emerging title, and we're still learning to talk about how much we should be compensated if it's true that that many people believe their companies see it as quite important, mission critical importance, then we also, I think, could imagine, and we'll have to like validate this with data over time, that those compensation structures end up reflecting that in time as well. Excellent. Thank you for sharing those data points. Uh, uh, what about you, Nader? Yeah, I mean, I think the, mo the most interesting thing that stood out to me is just the sheer total like average pay for people in DevRel like in that I think what was it like 180k was the um, yeah the median I mean that's kind of wild right and 208 for um for the United States I think that if people that were kind of like unsure of what DevRel was like saw that they would kind of be blown away by it and to me it's 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 also kind of a lot higher than I expected um and I think that um, when you take that and then also use the, the numbers that you were just talking about as far as the average um, amount of time someone's been in it versus like a traditional engineering role, you kind of like start seeing a trend that DevRel people are starting to become better paid maybe than other areas of, of tech. And um, me, what I'm seeing in, in blockchain right now is that it's becoming it's just becoming like, it's hard to explain how many people are hiring right now in DevRel and how they're trying to build out these teams and how little talent there is to choose from. So like every company that I know in blockchain is hiring right now and um, there just aren't candidates. So I guess that makes sense that they would be trying to kind of like increase the pay to kind of attract people. But I think that, you know, obviously people that understand like DevRel realize that it takes like a combination of technical skills and communication skills and writing skills and all these things that maybe um, it's hard to kind of find someone that has all these things put together and then even realize that this is kind of like the role that you can get. But yeah, the thing that stood out to me the most is that, that the combination, like how little experience the average DevRel has versus how much they're paid just is a lot um, maybe different than what I was kind of expecting to see. What were you expecting to see? Um, probably less pay. Maybe not not more experience, but probably less pay. Like I was probably expecting to see something in the range of like 120 um, median or something like that. No, that that actually yeah, same thing. I, I would have assumed um, we just when you look around the internet and when non devrel non advocates talk about people who are in devrel, they tend to talk about how devrel isn't paid as well. I mean, engineers get paid a lot. Right, but they always talk about how DevRel really isn't going to pay you as much or as well as some engineering jobs. While where depending on the company, of course, you can get paid more than other senior engineers at other companies as well. Yep, for example, two million dollars a year for crypto. Yeah, <laughs> yep. crypto is really nice. I'm going to message you later. That's, that's amazing. I'll give you the yeah. I'll give you the the company's information. Oh, I don't know. Nice. Right. Don't tell my boss. That. Don't tell my boss about that. <laughs> You can take your gamble. You can go to Vegas with their with your money. It's it's all good. Uh, I I do think um, you know I think the way that Nader thought about it when he was thinking about breaking in to Web three was uh, at least the cash compensation was enough to to live on. And then 
you know the speculative stuff is uh it's an it's a it's a bonus if it works out if it's it's not the end of the world if it doesn't you know i think yeah. that's important for anything any comp considerations yeah exactly i think that's the the right way to look at it especially in crypto now if you're at amazon you can pretty much be damn sure that your stock isn't going to zero <laughs> but in crypto you, you can definitely be in a situation where that happens you know and um my base is 250 right now and i'm happy with that so um anything more is just kind of like you know extra and you don't really count on that but um you hope that the work that you're doing re- results in the company's success and therefore like value uh being like accrued to whatever token that you're kind of involved with but you don't really catch it so. cool um let's get into some questions that we got on slido um and those can be like lightning rounds and these can these are targeted towards uh, everybody here on the on the panel right now so um we'll start with uh, whomever this kind of shows away a little bit from the, the the salary conversation we've been having but one of the questions we got was uh career progression levels in software engineering are pretty defined across orgs is there any equivalence in devrel um, and anyone can kind of take that question if they have one uh, an answer well simple answer is no <laughs> but people are trying Uh, there are some published letters. I think if you go to careerladders.dev, that was the old letter that my previous boss, Sarah Jasner, wrote up. Um, that's essentially what we implemented at Netlify. I think you can find uh, maybe one or two others that have been published out there. At the end of the day, these are just ways to give you a sense of like what success me- means in your field. But because it's such a young field, you actually do get to define a lot of that yourself. Um, and so what people encode in career ladders is what used to work or what they think works. But if you can show people a new way um, to to reach audiences and to, to reach developers, then uh, sky's the limit, to be honest. Um, so yeah, uh, there, there's, a, there's a progression that's kind of inspired by, um, by, by traditional ladders. So there's DX engineer one, DX engineer two, senior DX engineer, staff DX engineer, principal and distinguished. Uh, I don't think you necessarily need that many levels, especially for a company or a team that's that's not that big. Um, but I think some progression does make sense because then you get you get a sense of like, all right, what level am I at compared to where I used to be and where, where can I go? Uh, I do think that is super helpful and, and you know, particularly for me, like um, it, it clarified a lot of things in, in terms of what I was doing. I would also say, and this is, I mean, from working in both startups and large corporate enterprise companies at some point too, it's like the enterprise companies that are going to need where that's going to be really helpful, right? Because it's like, if, if there's not, you know, your level four, your level five, your level six, and this is how you move up that ladder, then it's hard to get promoted because there's no like very like, ex, you know, explicit like, well, we were doing this and now you're doing this. And so if you can't get promoted, then you might not move up that pay scale. And so I do think over time that as more DevRel, um, DevRel dev advocates are hired within those companies as well, then have to get codified just because those companies don't really function well without having like very discreet, very explicit ladder promotional like moments or assets or resources or whatever you would call them. And I imagine that might trickle down over time, right? Or maybe not trickle down. That's how I hate that phrase. Um, 
but would also end up being adopted perhaps across other companies that don't necessarily have that same type of stringent, like, well, we need these very codified expected ladders. Yeah. For sure. Go ahead, John. Well, I just wanted like, because it's such a new field, um, I, I almost think like putting things, putting these things down on paper limits you because then you're like, oh, am I supposed to spend 30% of my time blogging? Um, you know, and when, when maybe like that's not the, the best use of your time. So uh, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's still a lot of um, benefit to you writing the playbook and then justifying it to everyone else or showing or demonstrating the impact to everyone else. Um, I don't think this is set in stone. And I, I think any attempt to try to say like, this is the way it is great is is going to fall flat um, if you don't really think about like how young this field is. Oh, yeah, I should say I totally agree with you on that. Um, I guess approaching it from like, a, I imagine that this will be codified as the field gets more and more like into those larger companies that have to have everything down in a very regimented way on paper. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily the best for the field itself. Um, and I think what you just said in terms of like allowing that expansiveness and like allowing that flexibility yeah. to change as you're, as the people are trying to serve change and their needs change, right? Then it becomes like, how do I justify what we're doing? Because this is what the community of our developers, of our builders, of our customers need right now. Yeah. Um, I, I can maybe offer that um, there is, there are, there's a separation between titles and pay scales. Um, and we, we had that issue uh, at Airbyte. But I feel like the big codes have kind of converged on a few pay scales that make sense. And essentially, that's the only that's the main thing that matters, right? It doesn't matter what you call yourself or what your name card says if you're not being paid uh, accordingly. And so, um, you know, there's essentially like, are you L5, L6, L7 in the, in the Amazon scale? And it, and it only goes up to like L10 or like 9 and 10 are very high. Um, very few people actually get there. There is such a there's a concept of like a terminal level. There's a concept of you know what what pay scale you're you're on, and I feel like that is probably something you want to care about and, and something that's not necessarily very public because you know people are private about their compensation. You know we do like to discuss it. Um, Natter and I were L six at at uh, at Amazon, but Natter was on BL seven. Um, like he was, yeah. So th that's that's essentially what was going on there. It's an L6 party up in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was like a fairly large um, DevRel presence at, at AWS, but there were kind of two different types of DevRels. There was like the official DevRel organization that spanned across all of AWS and then individual uh, teams within AWS would have their own budget to do whatever they want. And then some of them had their own like smaller DevRel teams. And that's where me and Sean uh, were. They recently... And I see Jameson here. He, he, he worked with us as well, um, but he's oh. not Reddit. And also Renee. Renee is still at AWS. Oh, my God. It's the uh, Amplify party. I don't know where to go from that. I just wanted to bring it up just because like, I, I feel like uh, it doesn't matter what your ladder is as long as you, you know what pay scale you're at because then... I mean, that's what you're taking home, at least at the big coast. In, this, in the small companies, you, you, don't, you don't have that. You, you, it's just kind of, I think, well, at least in my experience, at maybe like 200 people, you start introducing ladders. And then 
Um, and then you just you start to uh, attach pay scales to ladders, but I don't think it's very standardized. So I guess kind of like piggybacking off of this. So Jesse uh, in the in the Twitter space right now, or also known as Code Stacker, uh, is asking some really cool questions that I think uh, all of you guys would have uh, great answers to. Um, oh but... wow. <laughs> We want to. I want to get your thoughts because I'm actually very curious about this too. Um, but he asks the first one is, "Do you think the DevRel pay bubble will burst?" That's the first one. I'm curious on your opinions on that. The, the second one's also very interesting. Let's just ask this yes. together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So yeah. So the first one. The first one is, uh, you know, do you think the pay pay bubble for DevRel will burst? The second follow up is, uh, what do you think about dev developer advocates that are not full time employees? I see this more often now where they're almost like contractors. Um, so we can touch on both. Yeah, I love the second one. Um, Rebecca, like I always think that that should be a separate category in your next survey, like con contract for hire, <laughs> contract killers. <laughs> you know what? I think you're totally right. And that's like, I, uh, there were certain people that uh, they ended up being excluded as outliers, right? And I, I think it's because that shows us we didn't have the right opportunity for them um, to report because as an outlier, they're like, Hey, I only work part-time, but I make, you know, 27 K, but I work one, two days a month. Right. And so like, that's actually would be a, a ton of money. I mean, depending on how that all worked out, but they ended up being included as outliers based on the way that we treated the data. So I think you're right that there is like a whole other section of questioning where we could be like, okay, how do we make sure to not lose that data in terms of, um, of that being like a very real career path to pursue. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say I've tried it. Like basically you just quote an hourly rate um, and it, it will be some equivalent of your contracting amount. Um, I don't know, $100, $200 an hour, something like that. <laughs> That's, that, that is on the higher side, but whatever. Um, and then do you think the DevRel pay bubble will burst? Um, I do think DevRel is kind of a bubble, but it may not burst for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that... Um the way I would look at it is like, do you think the marketing bu bubble will burst in companies? Um, and if you don't, then you probably don't think the DevRel bubble will burst because DevRel is a much more effective marketing tool for software companies than uh, traditional marketing. And um, I think that DevRel pay will probably align with the macro economy in my opinion. So like if, if we see like a massive um, decline in, the entire economy and, and tech is like laying people off and DevRel will be laid off. Um, I've already started to see maybe a s slightly larger percentage of DevRel people being laid off than, than engineers. So that's kind of like something maybe there's no, there's nothing scientific behind that. It's just kind of maybe what I've seen, but um, you know, that's something to take into consideration and, and, and stuff. But I think if like, if a piece of software needs to grow its user base, um, then they need, in my opinion, like uh, often some type of DevRel. And I think like if they're not um, ready to kind of like see the decline of their usage, if their DevRel is like part of that, um, like, I guess, strategy, then they probably won't be laying off a DevRel, but they might be reducing their pick at a macro level, like they might be reducing other costs within their companies. Do you think that might be because they're in, in uh, DevRel tends to, at least in my experience, be under the marketing department on why um, you know, you most of my experiences off. I haven't worked under marketing, but I, I, what I guess I'm trying mm -hmm. to say is that I feel like DevRel is starting to replace marketing and 
um, certain in certain companies. Not all. Fun sure. fun fact. Um, here at Airbyte, they invested in content and DevRel before marketing. Just just thought I should share that at Airbyte. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, a good start, example yeah. of this is like Alchemy, which is a um, a really successful uh, blockchain uh, company that provides infrastructure. They have uh, a lot more DevRel people than they have marketing people, and they've been extremely effective in that strategy. Wow. And I think that um, a lot of companies, from what I've seen, are, are having like more headcount for DevRel than they are marketing, at least um, in my bubble. I don't know how it is in the, the rest of the, the world. But if you, want, if you, if you have like AI-focused product, then it only makes sense to me to kind of like be focused on developers. Um, obviously, every company is going to be like a little different. Awesome. Thank you for answering that. More questions? There's there's, like a, the, there's a bunch of comments and then not questions in the Slido. If I like wanna... the second question, though, and I also want to kind of quickly address that. I, I do yeah. think that the future of, of, of DevRel, like, or at least a large portion of it, will be more contract-based. And I think that it makes a lot more sense for a company to say, okay, we want to grow like 100,000 users. And instead of just like saying we're going to hire like this person and they're going to do like literally all of these things, they're going to do blogging and they're going to do open source. and They're going to do YouTube. Like it's almost impossible to hire like high quality people that can do all things. Instead, you might say, okay, this person's extremely good at, you know, creating TikToks and this person is really good at creating blog posts. And this person is really good on social media. Like it might make a lot more sense to, like contract out 50K to like each one of these people for one year and like have them doing uh, that type of work. And um, like, to me, that, that just seems like a lot more of a logical, like way to do things. And also um, it makes it a lot easier to hire people because if, when I was working at Amazon, it was like impossible for us to hire someone unless they were like in the United States. And then on top of that, they had to move to Seattle, like at least at first. And like that literally, cuts off 95% of your candidates. But instead, if you're like anyone in the world, like all you have to be is good. Like we don't give a fuck about anything else. If you're good at your job, like we're going to hire you. And therefore we can bring you in as a contractor. To me, that like makes so much more sense. And um, I've even seen entire companies start going this route, like Fuel, which is a blockchain that is um, kind of like taking that approach, doesn't even have any full-time employees. Everyone's a contractor. And you might be like, oh, that sucks because they don't have, uh, the ability to like get healthcare, whatever. It's not true. Like they actually literally will say, okay, how much does healthcare cost? Okay. In addition to your salary, we're going to give you this. Okay. What about these other expenses that you might get covered as a full-time employee? Well, in addition to that, we're going to give you these. And maybe as a U.S. worker, you might be getting less, um, you know, I would say rights and stuff, but imagine the people that live in like South America and like Middle East and uh, other parts of the world, where they literally have been being fucked over by every large corporation for the last 30 years without getting any opportunities. Now they're getting these opportunities that pay six figures and they're getting them equally. Like, I think that's huge. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And I think that's kind of the way that DevRel is also going to be like, if I'm, if I'm hiring for DevRel, I'm not going to limit my candidates by 95% because I only want to hire like these segment of people. I want to open it to everyone. And by, by hiring contractors first, that kind of opens the door for that. Very well said. Very well said. Um, we have a we have one speaker that I've invited up, or questions that I invited up. It's always nice to get people on audio. Uh, Karthik. Also, I don't know Justin if you've uh, 
you met Kartik. I've, I've, exchanged, I've exchanged emails with Kartik, yes. <laughs> hey, Sean. We're, we're fans of Incredible. That's what I'm trying to say. Very big fans. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've got a big news in that case. We are now working on making it open source. Yeah. Oh, what? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so just an early announcement. If it all goes well, I think in a couple of weeks or a week, we should be out. Nice. Um, so I saw you had a question in the Slido. Do you want to touch on that right now yeah. um, while you have us? I mean, uh, just reducing the scope of this conversation to devil compensation. Now, the fact that last 18 months, I've um, had conversation, I've had ongoing with so many of the top devils in the community as part of the discovery process of building this product. I don't know, maybe I've like, have spoken over um, a few hundred uh, creators from developer world. Most of levels. So, ever since I've had my first conversation with most of them, I, I would say like almost all of them, you know, um, uh, who had had a conversation for the first time one year ago, now they've changed their jobs. Um, I'm wondering, like, you know, is, and and uh, is there anything um, uh, to do with compensation, or you know, is is is, is there anything, any comments on that, on why um, uh, this observation is pretty clear for me? I see this trend uh, very loud and clear that. You know, I mean, um, so we did ask a question in terms of the survey of compensation change over prior two years and 76.2% of people said, yes, it has increased over the past two years. 16.8 said, no, it has stayed the same. And 3.5 said, yes, but it has decreased. And I think what you're getting at is like, if we had more data around this, or we were more specific in our questions around like, have you changed roles over the past two years? Did you change roles? And was the compensation higher? Was that? So I think while we could see from this initial data, right, that it has increased for many people, you might be able to conjecture out of that, that maybe it's because they changed roles, or they changed roles because the compensation offered to them was at a higher salary level. Um, but in terms of the report itself, that would only be me like postulating that, um, that that's a, certainly a possibility. But I do think it's a really good call out in terms of how we might be able to have this data serve your question better in future iterations. Yeah, I'm, I'm just at this point that um, that I've, I've made this part of the discovery process that I'm going to ask this question. Hey, I've got like a out of context <laughs> question. Um, you know, I'm just following up again. Right. Um, uh, why do you think this is happening? Uh, but yeah, it's good to know that there's no clear data that, that specifies any kind of correlation with pay. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to follow up on that. Like you, you, you interview a lot of DevRel people as, as part of building incredible. What else are you seeing is interesting trends? Um, I think one interesting trend which actually made product building so much harder was that there is no clear consensus on what type of content devils produce and at what frequency they produce. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Every day. So, yeah. So, you know, there are some devils who only do videos um, and, and they only do specifically for product releases. Some are, few are like moving towards short videos now. Few are, few are pretty, um, you know, savvy on live streaming. But uh, it's 
I think up to this at this point, I've arrived at the conclusion that building a sustainable business, uh, just targeting devils, it's pretty hard. Um, you know, after no. eighteen months, I've come to this. <laughs> no, you're a best friend. <laughs> no. Yeah. So um, that's it, it's actually come out of um, uh, extensive discovery that I've done with all, so many of the top devils for the last one and a half years. Um, it's because as, that is one of the observation I could go deeper, maybe in a more relevant conversation. Um, I think one is the fact that devils don't tend to stick around for a long time in organization than the type of, yeah, the, the type of, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I know this, like, you know, so, uh, I have a chat. It's like, Hey, I'll, I'll reconnect, like, you know, three months down the line, we're going to build this out and come. And then I was like, Hey, how's it going with your organization X? Oh, it's like, I moved on. Like, and, and there've been instances yeah. where, uh, people have moved on from more than one organization in a year. Uh, significantly right <laughs> so uh, n- now at this point if i'm if i'm actually catching up after more than three months or two months first thing i was like hey where are you working it right now that's how i start the conversation like and then what what are your organization's goals what's your budget looks like what are the content plans uh, and um in a way in a way like you know it also helped um uh, I would say like blessing in disguise, maybe because it helped the spread of <laughs> word of incredible better because they're moving so fast across organizations. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, I think those top, uh, those two things are like the yeah. top ones. Uh, uh, but also I think one uh, last thing, I think the last observation I would want to make, I've got a long list of them if I start thinking, but the top three, I'll restrict to top three. Um, the, the third one would be that the devil ecosystem is so much more matured in the United States uh, than I felt like in Asia or uh, especially in Asia, right? I'm uh, be specific about yep. uh, Europe. Yep. Um, so I I was in United States for a month. I'm just back in India. It's been three days. Um, and I was there for a month and I had a chat with so many of uh, our friends. And uh, it was it was quite astonishing to say like, of how far ahead the devil ecosystem in United States is. Um, and I, I also believe because mostly could emerge also from the fact that the market for developer tools, uh, where the ability to pay is significant in the United States. Yeah, that, that would be it. That would be it. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, interesting observations. I, I think I will tend to agree. Uh, I will say like part of it, part of DevRel is moving around a lot. Um, it's definitely part of, the great resignation that labor is just a, l- a little bit more mobile, especially during COVID. Um, but also I think as a public face of a company, if you are just not vibing with the company in whatever way, like if you, if, if you're not connecting with the founders or, or management team, or if you're not loving the product or if your, your stuff is not connecting, there's very little room to, just stay there instead of move on. Um, so I think there's a lot of search process. It's kind of like dating, um, where you you should date for date for a little bit and then like try to find a fit. Some people get lucky, of course, but it's just it's just a lot harder than like a typical engineer that maybe would have like well defined engineering tasks. Like DevRel is a lot about like your own ideas, and if you if you if you the ideas that you're coming up with are connecting, then you have to move on. It's definitely what I feel. Yeah, I think I I kind of agree with you. Um, I feel like um, also 
I mean, also like it, typically the way people think about software engineering and coding jobs, the whole mindset is very, very different from, as you said, this whole dating phase of how developer advocates go about. So, um, okay. One, one thing I want to, uh, you have an unusual audience here because both Justin and Krishan are more video oriented devrels than most dev advocates out there. Um, and Justin is, Justin has had, has been our point guy on, on incredible. Um, I just want to give like, give you or give Justin the opportunity to like, just talk about like, what's hard about video, what could be better? Yeah. Yeah. Especially on the show is why, um, incredible is so appealing to me, uh, and why I want to use it so much is that uh, a lot of the short form, it's hard in terms of formatting, uh, resolution, right? Cause you have to conform to mobile. And so when you're creating YouTube videos, especially in the form of tutorials, or you're trying to do a demo, uh, a lot of that has code samples. You're trying to, you know, show your VS code or whatever editor you use and things like that. Now trying to do that on mobile, that has been like the pain in the ass thing that I've been trying to do for such a long time is trying to fit my code editor or, or, or show code samples in an appealing way that is formatted for YouTube shorts and TikTok. Um, I think one thing that I've really doubled down my efforts, not just here at Airbyte, but also personally is in TikTok and YouTube shorts. Cause I really think that's just like the way to go right now uh, in terms of awareness. And so like, I think having a standard way and like Incredible is doing such a good job of it right now um, to have content creators or people in developer advocacy use Incredible to have an easy way to create uh, mobile friendly content um, is huge, but I think the hardest thing right now is, you know, having integrations with different tools to, to showcase that content. Um, you know, like doing uh, integrations, like right now, I think the biggest thing that appeals to me with incredible is the ability to write code in, you know, through Markdown and be able to display that, um, in, in a slide quote unquote, uh, in, in your video and and all that stuff. Now, the, the other things that I think that could be good is uh, animations, the ability to do that, you know, get some, you know, icons swooping in, swooping out. Um, do we want to show some sort of picture, right? Or a yeah. graph. And I think through mobile, that is such, that is the hardest thing, right? Because everything, every image, every graph, anything that's in a presentation, all of that is is formatted in like a 16 by nine, 1920 by 1080 or whatever re- resolution and like to be able to do that in a 1080 by 1920 format where it's mobile first that is the hardest thing so i think like the biggest struggle is getting content mobile friendly right like friendly thing is such a huge thing in web dev but we need that in content creation now too like everything mobile friendly Right. Um, I think I just missed out on adding another important observation that I've seen. Uh, thanks, Justin. Um, you know, so uh, just the last thing from my end is like uh, one very, very phenomenal observation that I've seen um, in DevRel or DevRel content world in last 18 months has been that uh, the war in mid-market is getting really intensified. Like, you know, if you, if you look at um, how the Versals, Netlifies, and multiple other companies are trying to compete for the same real estate, the war in Series A, Series B, Series C startups is getting very, very intense. And um, 
and i see a lot of these mid market companies are now resorts resorting to create content across multiple formats as a way for them to reach to more broader audience um like for instance if you take superbase you'll see like some documentation manifest as a image on twitter then there is a shorts then there is a big youtube um landscape version of it then they also go live stream and do the same hack there is a blog post um i'm starting to see this trend um more and more that uh, the diversification of the content format and distributing in their native formats across multiple distribution platforms while reusing the same uh, base information um, and manifesting in different formats yeah i think the biggest keyword there and i think it's big for any content creator is redistribution um being able to redistribute anything to multiple formats is uh, the biggest thing right like as content creators to make the process faster more efficient uh to be able to get to the next thing right like i don't want to spend a whole week on one video i want to be able to bust out as many videos as possible um you know and and redistribution is a big thing i love how you guys have you know we're able to write markdown as our scripts and then be able to do that in video and then therefore we now have a blog post a, a youtube short a tiktok and then potentially a long form video at the same time so like that's huge um you guys are doing good things and i'm like i'm i'm very very keen and happy to keep the conversation rolling open source that's yeah. that's a whole other thing i'm one and that's going to be fun contribute yeah that's going to be awesome to see the uh, the growth of incredible um yeah but yeah uh i think we're going to wrap this up uh thank you everybody who joined the the twitter space rebecca um karthik nader i know he joined and he's not here anymore but um uh, thanks to everyone who joined the panel. Uh, you know, I love having other people join the panel and get conversations and opinions in here. Uh, thanks to everyone. Questions in the Slido. I know we didn't get to all of them. Uh, Jesse, we'll, we'll we'll come up with a date on the uh, negotiation course soon. I know we'll get that out. Uh, Chris is currently, you know, wait, wait, we'll right? get that out. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, okay, what's this? Uh, we. <laughs> yeah, <never mind. laughs> I, I, I was gonna. See Sorry, just busting your balls. <laughs> no, I mean, let's pivot to a negotiation true. company and let get all these people paid. You know, and then secure that bag. Yeah, secure that bag. Trying to secure the bag in any which way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, you know, I, one of the reasons. I wanted it to be timely. So that's that's another thing I think about content, right? Um, we, con like Some good content is really timely, more than insightful. And timeliness is just really just reacting faster than anyone else to things that just release. And uh, Rebecca just released this survey and I was like, let's just have this first Twitter space about it. Plus the second thing, everyone's always interested in money. So if we can talk about money, um, we'll get we'll get people to, to come join us. So uh, I think it worked. <laughs> Yeah, thank you all so much for having me and uh, for, I think I said this on Twitter messages to you all, but it's been very levitous as well as long. Like it's been an hour and 42 minutes and it felt like it went by in a blink. So thank you so much for the work you all do to keep this articulate and useful and fun. Thank you so much for joining. Um, yeah, Justin, Krishan, any, any last words? Um, nothing for me. Uh, thank you all for coming. Uh, we do this every Friday, or we try to do it every Friday. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to plan out the next one sooner than later uh, and then uh, get a topic and potentially some more speakers. So uh, if you all are curious, just keep an eye out for the, the tweet from me uh, on when the next one will happen. Um, and thanks again, everyone, for coming out. This was fun. Have thank a great you. rest of your days. Whoop, whoop, whoop.